What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. And I have to give a quick apology for being late again. Uh, Sorry about that. I actually recorded six minute episode last night and uh, I was listening back to it and it was just poor quality. And I kind of thought to myself, don't be a slave to, you know, getting the podcast out, put out a good podcast rather than putting out one that's kind of mediocre or poor and uh, just to try to meet a timetable. So uh, this is the better one. I hope you'll agree. Um, What I have been finding, though, is the pressure and work is starting to kind of bear down. There's an awful lot of stuff going on at the moment. And um, case in point, yesterday, which is a positive sign, yesterday I had two large tenants both looking at coming into one of our buildings. And these are big corporates that have, you know, hundreds of staff and stuff like that. But two of them walking the floors of the same building at the same time. I had to go and ask somebody to help out so that I could be with one party while they were with the other party. But anyway, definitely seeing a little bit of an increase in uh, interest in the office sector, which is a good thing because it has been pretty bad. And if you look at the way interest rates are going at the moment, it would seem like, and I mean, obviously, you know, I'm no economist, but to my mind, it looks like the rates have stopped rising, but we are still waiting to find out how long the current rates are going to be held at. And so that's going to be the waiting game that we're in now. So the kind of the market sentiment is out there that rates have stopped rising, but is it going to be, uh, you know, a long couple of months a year of these kind of higher rates or are things going to come back down to the level they were. It's interesting how things evolve over time. I can remember having a conversation with somebody, I guess, probably two or three years ago, and they were of the view, they were saying, you know, isn't it amazing what the environment that we've come from? He says, I can't see us ever going back to high interest rates. And uh, that was when we were back at the kind of zero or, you know, 1% or whatever it is. And here we are at, you know, 4% in the EU and five and a quarter percent in the UK. And uh, the US, uh, they're all saying that that the Fed blinked the other night when they said that they have stopped with their uh, tightening and that they'll be starting to ease next. But the big question is, when will that? So the big question is, how many of us out there can hold on? Are you feeling pressure from the increased uh, interest rates? A lot of people, they would have taken out loans at a time when they were low. And there's a possibility that they are about to reset or they already have reset and it has increased. And I know my own uh, villa in the south of Spain that I have rented out to a long-term tenant, like the mortgage there uh, reset back in May. And I am now a thousand euro a month um, in arrears or not in arrears, but uh, you know, that's the, that's the amount that I'm short in the rent that I collect from the tenant. And so it's not a great position to be in. Uh, prior to that, 
I was a little bit short, but not anything like what I am now. So, you know, you have to kind of ask yourself, what does that mean? I'm going to have to have a chat with the with the tenant, see if he'll increase the amount that he's paying. Uh, but I know there's going to be resistance to that because he's not just looking at an increase in rent. If I was to ask him for an increase, he is also looking at an increase in all of his fuel costs, electrical costs, food costs, all of that kind of stuff. So we shall see what happens. Now, I've called this episode The Power of Your Network because I want to talk about the um, the meetup, the in-person event that I hosted on Saturday. And that was part of my mastermind that I have. And what we do with the mastermind, we meet, we meet every week uh, uh, virtually, but three times a year, we actually sit down in a room. I, I book a hotel room uh, out by the airport and we gather. And so people from all over the country came to see, and it was a good, good size room. Uh, we had 16 people from up and down the country, all drove down, spent the whole day with myself. We had two guest speakers and um, it was just, it was a great day. And I, I'm going to talk about some of the learnings that we got from the day. Um, we had, I, I'll just, I'll introduce the, the two speakers we had. We had a chap by the name Andrew Brown. Uh, Andrew is a private investor specializing in HMO. And uh, Andrew gave a great talk on just his strategy and how he goes about. And I'll, I'll open up and uh, discuss that in a little bit. Um, we also had Joe Doyle. Now, a lot of you will probably be familiar with Joe Doyle because, first of all, he was on this podcast back, uh, I guess, about two years ago. It was episode 54, if I remember correctly. But Joe is very prominent on social media. Um, he goes by the... Uh, the handle Joe Doyle Entrepreneur, and he is a, a property investor and a business mentor, and he specializes in uh, helping tradesmen to earn, I think, £500 pr uh, pure profit a day, clear profit a day, and, um, and he's built a good business around that. He's very prominent on social media and stuff like that. And what was really interesting, just like right off the bat, what I want to talk about is I had two speakers, both specialists, both doing very well in the property sector. And what was really interesting is both of them left school at the age of 14 and went on to become apprentices in the trades. And so in Andrew's case, he was, he's an, an, he was an apprentice electrician. He's obviously fully qualified now. And in Joe's case, he, he followed his dad's footsteps into being a bricklayer and, um, so he, he, he qualified as a bricklayer, but obviously today those guys are both doing their own thing. They're doing what they want to do, which is invest in property and stuff. But what's really, what stood out for me is the amount of people that will use the lack of education as a reason that they can't do stuff. And I, I heard a really interesting um, sort of analogy of this recently one of my one of the people that I follow Daniel Priestley who was also on this podcast uh, a while back Daniel was explaining how he was speaking with a friend of his who is I think a doctor and the doctor had an idea for an app and the app was going to streamline some aspect some problem in the health sector and Daniel heard his friend talking it was at a dinner party and his friend was saying, yes, I got this idea. And Daniel was encouraging him, you know, you should go ahead. You should do this. It sounds like a great idea. 
And he goes, yeah. And he says, I'm going to have to go and, you know, figure out what to do and this and that. And Daniel was saying, look, it's not it's not complicated. Really just go out there and start creating the app and then seek feedback from the, you know, the people that are buying it. And, and that's essentially how it does it. So a few weeks later, I think it was like after Christmas of last year or whatever, he met with his friend again. And I don't know whether they were at another dinner party or whatever. But his friend was explaining, he said, oh, how's it going with your new business? He goes, oh, uh, well, I've actually, I've signed up to do an MBA, a two-year MBA, costing him 25000 a year. And, um, and just Daniel was kind of like, hmm, interesting. And it's, it's that kind of feeling that people have that they don't have enough experience to get started. And what they miss is education. And so what they do is they use the need for education as a reason to procrastinate and to delay the decision. And so if you are out there and you are thinking about doing something, and you're kind of saying to yourself, oh, I'll do it as soon as and then create some sort of a block or some sort of a reason not to. That is procrastination. Now, you might have genuinely, you might have a good reason not to be doing it. But I think for the vast majority of people, you do not have a good reason. It is just an excuse. And it's an excuse that's been created by what is essentially fear and fear of change, fear of uncertainty, fear of all these things. I'm not saying it's easy to start a business. I'm not saying it's easy to go out and become an investor, but going and studying for another two years or something like that is not going to change, uh, you know, anything about it really. Uh, now, you know, you can go and you can sign up to one of my courses and, and in, in a couple of weeks, you'll have a very good grasp of what you need to do. Um, to be a, a property investor, you don't need to go back to school or college to figure it out. I mean, by any means, I realize now that my going off and studying architecture, I mean, I don't practice it. I haven't practiced architecture for about 30, um, well, certainly 26 years now. And it makes me wonder, was that five years I spent studying architecture? Was it a complete waste of time? I don't think it was a waste of time. Uh, but I don't need architecture as a degree. What it did, though, is it did give me an understanding of the design process. And so I can use the principles that I picked up in college. I can use those on a daily basis. And I do. Uh, and I also have a better understanding of the construction process and stuff, which is helpful. But it does not help me do the job that I do every day. And if I'm buying property, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with it. So... You should definitely um, check out the uh, some of the courses and the programs that I have here. But in particular, all of these guys, these speakers that we had and all of the people, the 16 people that came from all over the country, all of them are a part of my new mastermind. And the mastermind doesn't include an educational piece. It is just meeting and talking about business, talking about property investment, talking about the market, whatever it is. And... Um, we currently have about 40 people in the group and of them, uh, 18 turned up for the call last night. And now 18 people, you might you might think that sounds like an awful lot of people to try to kind of gauge questions from. But I would say that of the 18, 15 of them are, are silently listening and learning. Three of them might be asking a question and bouncing back and ideas and debating and stuff like that. So um, it's worth it's worth checking it out. I'll put some links in the show notes. 
Now, let's get into just some of the lessons. And I want to first start with Andy, Andy Brown, talking about how he goes about the HMO uh, financing his HMO business. And what's really interesting is I've had questions before from people saying, you know, I can't get the money together to go and buy my next property. Like, how am I going to do it and all this? And this is a really interesting um, system that Andy has come up with. And uh, I don't think it's unique by any means, but it's really, he explained it very well. And so you go out and we've all heard of the uh, the B or, or, or strategy. And the B or, or, or strategy is buy, refer, rent and refinance. And that is essentially what he's doing. But he takes it a step further. And what he does is he's looking for a house that is in old, poor condition. It has to be something that he can add value to. And so he's looking for, you know, a fixer upper. We'll say a four bedroom or a five bedroom house in an area that, like in a city, in an area of the city that is close to, um, uh, you know, obviously public transport, because if you don't have public transport, then the people are going to have to take taxis or they're going to have to take um, their car. Then you have to get into having car parking spaces and all that kind of stuff. But you find a location close to a, ma- a, a like a large employer. So um, in a, lo- a lot of the stuff that uh, Andrew does is in around Intel, which is in Leakslip here in uh, Dublin. Um, but what he does, he looks for these old houses. He found he was explaining that he, one of the ones that he found had been unoccupied for 10 years. And you could really tell Well, he had photographs that he shared with us and the photographs like the really old kind of pink and green colored baths and sinks and stuff. Very, very dated 1970s kind of furniture and stuff. Buy this kind of a place, buy it cheap because nobody really wants it. And um, one of the reasons why people don't want these old properties is because you can buy a house like that with a mortgage but it's very hard to get the money from the bank to go and do the, the you know, the, the, the fixing upping, uh, the fixer upping. And uh, so if you need to go and make improvements to your home and all that kind of stuff, that's a second loan you have to take out and you have to quantify that. And it's a difficult job. Most people want to move into a turnkey finished property in perfect condition. And I know because I've been out looking at property recently on behalf of somebody And the properties that I went and looked at, the ones that are in poor condition, they don't do as well as the ones that have been staged nicely. And you have all of the furniture in the perfect location. You have, in fact, they bring in furniture um, from other people. You know, you can actually go out and you can hire companies to stage your house for you before you're selling it. So they'll put sofas and chairs and they'll really make it sort of stylish looking. And people walk in and go, my God, this is beautiful. I want to live in this house. And they're being, you know, a lot of people don't have imagination. So they're being sold uh, the house in its perfect state with bed linen and, you know, kind of drapes and everything like that. And, you know, nice puffed up pillows. It looks amazing. When you open the fridge, the fridge is filled with nice food and stuff like that. And it just makes the place feel like, wow, I could move in tomorrow. It's like a hotel. And that is what you want to do. Um, when you're fixing up a house, if you can get it to that stage where people kind of just go, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing, I'll buy it. And they can go to their mortgage broker and they can say, I want to buy this house and here's the cost of it. And that is the cost of buying the house. And they, the bank will give you all of the money that you need for that and there's no fixing 
Uh, there's no doing it up. There's no decorating. There's nothing additional that you need. You just need your own deposit and you need then to borrow the rest from the bank. Now, getting into this structure that uh, Andy was talking about, though, is he will go in and he will take, say, a five bedroom house. He will usually convert the downstairs living room into an additional room. It'll be an ensuite double bedroom. And he also, in one of the ones that I looked at, he had under the stairs, he created a corridor down to a part of the house that probably would have been like a utility room. And he created an additional ensuite bedroom down there. And so he turned this five bedroom house into a seven bedroom house. And then he extended out the rear and he turned it into, I think, an eight or a nine bedroom house. And so you start with a five bedroom, you end up with a nine bedroom. And what you're doing is, whereas a family might come along and rent your five bedroom house and they might pay you 2,500 a month, you will get eight individuals to come in and pay you 800 a month for the house that you've created. And so do the maths on that. That's about 6,400 a month in rent. So you're getting a couple of thousand a month more than you would have if you just left it as a single let. And um, one of the big things, though, the, the real thing that got everyone sort of excited was the fact that the deposit that he puts into the property and the money he spends on refurbishing the property, he almost always does enough homework to on, on how he can get the value of that property up so that when he refinances it, that the 70% he gets from the bank, that that will include all of his original deposit back and all of his refurbishments costs back. And so the 30% he's leaving in is the 30% of additional value he created. He's not actually leaving his cash in the deal. He's just leaving the, uh, basically the, the value he created through his you know, increasing in size. He gets back all of his original money. And that is really, really important because everyone has a shortage of money. If you can get your money back, then you can just go rinse and repeat, do the exact same thing again. And if you can get four, you know, 6,400 a month per you know, house, you're probably paying, you know, two or you know, two thousand a month in mortgage payments, and so, you know, whereas the the house rented out to a family will get two thousand five hundred, you've barely enough to kind of make ends meet. In this case, he's throwing off three or four thousand of profit a month, and so, it's just a great system, and um, there's a lot of work to be done to make sure that you get that increase in value, though, and this was something that. Um, I'm introducing into my course, um, um, the foundations course that I have, because it's it's so critical. You have got to be able to um, provide evidence of values of a similar uh, property or of a similar size property so that you can back up the revaluation to a higher level. Because the banks, they will not give you that increase unless they can get a valuer to stand over it. And so it's very important that the valuer has the information he needs to be able to stand over it. And so it's funny, what I'm actually calling this system is not B or, 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 I'm calling it B or, 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 or. <laughs> and that is buy, refurb, rent, refinance, recover, as in recover your capital and recycle, recycle it back into the next deal and then just keep going. And so you can actually do this you know, two or three times a year if you create the system and the system just 
starts to become kind of an engine. You've got tradespeople that you work with. They know that you're giving them work on a regular basis. So they put you at the top of the list so you can turn jobs around quicker. All of this stuff was really, really helpful to hear from Andy. And so the next meeting, by the way, if you're interested in coming along to one of these meetups, they're only for Mastermind members, by the way, but I might open up the next one to a couple, to a small number of uh, outside members and, um, or, you know, just listeners, but you'll have to pay to get into the event. And um, anyway, the next thing I want to talk about, oh yeah, sorry, so what date? I think it's February the 3rd, so the first Saturday of February in 2024. That's when the next one is being held. And then following that, June, the first Saturday of June will be the following one. So that is um, the next two mastermind meetings that I'm going to be holding. Um, if you're interested. Now, the lessons from Joe and Joe's talk was quite different. Um, Joe's personality and Andy's, they're, they're quite different, even though they know each other and they've worked together and stuff like that. They're quite different. And um, Joe, if you're familiar with this stuff, he's very outgoing. He's very, uh, <laughs> he was explaining some of the challenges he's facing um, with, in his business with uh, regulatory challenges with people telling him that he can't say certain words on the internet um you know things like investment fund and things like that but he's built this big portfolio he has over 50 properties and he was explaining how he did this and he was explaining how he got caught in the 2008 crash like i did and he managed to kind of dig his way out of that and at the same time he's been building this uh, online business where he does the business mentoring to tradespeople and he's built a sizable business and like I'm very very um, I just have a huge amount of respect for Joe because I went for a drive with him one day and he took me around the area that he grew up and I, as he would say itself it's it's a rough part of town and where he grew up a lot of his friends from school are not with us today because either drugs uh, got the better of them or they turned to a life of crime and they ended up behind bars and stuff. So he has dug himself out of any of that and he's doing really, really well for himself. And so he's quite an inspirational guy. And a lot of the feedback I got from the guys that were in the room, um, the, the members that listened to him speaking, they were all saying like very motivational. And uh, so it's great to be able to, to, to put two guest speakers who are clients that have actually done my accelerator and now are on the other side and are actually speaking about their experiences and teaching as well. And so it's great to be able to put on, to host that kind of a meeting. One of the things that stood out from Joe's talk is he has this saying, I think he, he said somebody else came up with it, but he, he loves it. And that is be obsessed or be average. It's probably Grant Cardone or something like that, but you've got to be obsessed about this stuff. You've got to be very, very focused. And there is no way to kind of do this as a kind of a, a little sort of side hustle. This has to become quite an, you know, a bit of an obsession. Certainly um, when I see the success that he's enjoying, I can see it's, it's quite clear that he is quite obsessed with all of this. And he had a videographer at the meeting and everything like that to record his stuff. Like that's at the level of uh, social media output that he's got now that he actually needs a videographer. Um, now, last night I went and I hosted one of my weekly uh, mastermind calls 
And this is a digital call, where a virtual call, where we, I sit here in the office and I talk to the camera and we've got, and yesterday was the biggest one we've had. We had 18 people on the call. And I just, I went through the room and I just said, like, everyone, I want to hear, you were at that meeting, what did you think about it? And I'm just looking at the list of answers that I got. And, you know, starting with really motivational networking. Um, the next person I asked said the big thing was just networking. But then the second lesson that he heard was that it was really interesting to see that opportunity still exists. Like if you go out there in the market and talk to most people, what's the answer they say? The answer is that it is over pop, you know, there's over, first of all, too much challenges with the interest rates, too many, the deals are all too expensive. There's no value. That's the end of it. Like there's no, no point in being in the market. Not the case at all. This was the impression that he got from listening to both of the speakers was that there are plenty of opportunities. You've got to ferret them out. That's the difference. Um, lots of different options. That was one of the, uh, the points that came back is that hearing the two guys talking about their two different ways of going about it. Um, he said that it's now obvious to him that there are so many options to go about, like financing to go about what you do with the property to go about how you go about it all of this kind of stuff really eye-opening uh, the different you know it, as i've said before usually resources are not your issue your issue is a lack of resourcefulness and it's about going out there and figuring it out um maximizing value how to do that that was the feedback uh, an abundance mindset um that was that came back from one of them is that just the the, the group that we've created now um, all of these people, they're very open. They like to share. They like to help others. They're not keeping their cards close to their chest and thinking, this is my deal. This is my way of doing it. The next person said networking. The next person said networking. And um, he also was talking about his pension, the fact that there was lots of different opportunities. And um, it's just, it's really, really interesting to hear this. And because I've been saying all along, and I think somebody who was it that coined the phrase, your net worth is your net work, or vice versa. Your network is your net worth. If you have got a load of people that you can share ideas with, bounce ideas off and stuff, and if they're open-minded, if they're problem solvers as, a pop, as opposed to you know, problem creators or people that are just obsessed with seeing obstacles, seeing the problem, that's the thing. This really, really opens your eyes. And so that is pretty much the message for today is that your network is super, super important. And if you want to be a part of a really good growing network, have a look at my mastermind. Um, I'm going to put links down below. If you can join, you can click on a few buttons and you can actually be straight away a member of the mastermind. You'll be on next week's call. You'll also be invited for free to the next couple of events that we're holding. And so um, that's all for me, guys. I hope you found this one useful and I shall see you again next week. And once again, sorry for being late. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, gavinjgallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the 
join my tribe thing over on the right hand side this will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter all of these links are in the show notes below that's all for now i will see you guys in the next episode